save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Hey guys, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash 7lampodcasts. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's at 7lampodcasts. That's the number 7, L-A-M-B, podcasts. Seven Lamb Productions presents... Part 11, The Shopping Surprise. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at It was getting dark, but I had to talk to Charlotte Greenbaum. Arthur had just left the house with her husband wearing handcuffs. A stolen vase? Ha! There was more to this case than that. My hunters aren't always right, but when they are, I'm correct as a motherfucker. Hello? Oh, the police officer. Come in. How can I assist you, sir? I wanted to talk about your husband. He was just here. Your friend arrested him. He's not my friend. He's kind of an asshole. Oh, dear. Harsh words. You should be careful. Just because someone acts naughty from time to time doesn't mean they're a... Oh, how do you put it? A-hole? He may just be having a rough day. Remember, everyone's always going through something in their life. These are odd words from a woman who just saw her husband arrested. Who am I to interfere with the police? Just because my partner arrested your husband Evan Greenbaum doesn't mean the arrest is justified. Oh, I know. This is America, home of the free. Every man is innocent until proven guilty. Right, so may I ask you some questions about your husband and the incident that happened next door? Of course. My daughter Polly is in bed now, and I was just washing some dishes. Thank you. Would you care for some tea? Sure. What about some L? I'm sorry? Maybe some G? I'm not sure I'm following. Like the letters. (laughs) What letters? The letters of the alphabet, silly. (laughs) I said, would you like some tea? Tea is a drink, but it's also a letter of the alphabet. So when you said, would you like some tea? I asked if you would want some L or G too. You know, other letters from the alphabet. It's a little joke I made. (laughs) I know, I know. I'm a real jokester. I hope you can handle it. I'll do my best. Here, follow me to the kitchen. I'll make you some tea. The drink, that is. (laughs) We head into the large kitchen with a center island that would rival most dining room tables. I pulled out a bar stool and sat. 
She set a kettle and then went back to her dishes. So what would you like to know? Do you think your husband actually committed a murder? I would be very surprised if he did, but if the police believe... What about theft? Do you think your husband is guilty of stealing one of the O'Reilly's prized vase? I don't recall owning a vase. Plants scare me. So the fact that we had one in the house that your friend found must mean that my husband stole it. Right, but you don't... Wait, you're scared of plants? Yes. Why won't they just leave? (laughs) A joke? I know, I know. I can't stop. I'm on one of those rolls, and I'm not talking about bread. (laughs) Oh, oh, did you see what I did there? Rolls? (laughs) Clever. Mrs. Greenbaum, this is quite important. I'm sorry. Go on. Have you and your husband ever owned a vase? Once. It was a gift from my husband's aunt. I told my husband that I didn't want a plant in the house. And while he did inform me that vases could be used as decoration and did not always need to house plants, I decided to donate it to a friend of ours who was a botanist. I figured he could house orphan plants with it. Even though I hated plants, they deserved a home. That whole thing you said was just really weird. Sorry! If your husband knew you hated plants and didn't want vases in the house, why would he steal one? Beats me. At that moment, Charlotte reached into the refrigerator and pulled out a bag of beets. She started whipping herself with him in the face. Get it? Beats me? She really went a long way for a pun. See, I said beats me. It's a common expression when someone doesn't know something. But I also have some beats, and I'm hitting myself with them. Like when you beat something. The dissection of your puns is very helpful, but I'm afraid I'm running out of time. Mrs. Greenbaum, do you think your husband would steal a vase? And more importantly, do you think your husband is capable of committing the murder of Mr. Jeffrey O'Reilly? Hmm... No. We left the Greenbaum residence five minutes later. It was now dark. The work lights outside the O'Reilly mansion were once again left on. I decided to do some snooping. I snuck around the Greenbaum household and over to the O'Reilly property. I took cover behind a large oak and knelt down. All the windows were open. I used my binoculars to peer into each room. The first room was empty. I moved to the next. Peter appeared. He was making a fort out of sheets and stacks of money. What a childish man. I moved to the next window, the bathroom. Catherine O'Reilly was on the toilet, grimacing. Gross. In the next window was Grandpa O'Reilly in his wheelchair, staring at a large portrait of Grace Kelly. The next window displayed Natalie putting her two daughters to bed. She tucked them in, turned off the lights, and walked out. I moved to the next window where Natalie entered the room. This must be her bedroom. Although she said she lived in Snyder, Texas, so maybe this was a guest room. Natalie began undressing. On to the next room. I turned to the next window, which showed Butler. He was just standing in the middle of the room, staring at the corner of the ceiling. Rather than go back to the next room, I decided to backtrack to Natalie's. Just for a moment. I may have missed something. I went back to Natalie's room and saw her in a pointed bra and lace underwear. Oh, man. Maybe I should stop. But I couldn't look away. She was gorgeous. I dropped the binoculars for a second. 
That's enough. But then I quickly raised them again and continued staring. She didn't shut the curtains. Instead, she took off her bra. Wowzers. Okay. I'm not a P.I. anymore. I'm a P.T. Peeping Tom. Suddenly, Natalie stopped undressing and walked up to the window. Oh, no. Did she see me? Impossible. Although I could really use some camo pants right now. She looked in my direction into the darkness. Then she smiled and slowly shut the curtains. Interesting. Many of the lights began to go out in the rooms. O'Reilly bedtime. Only one light remained on. Peter's. I leaned against the oak and peered into his room. He now had millions of dollars stacked up into a pyramid shape and was masturbating furiously. He started screaming money quite loud, although no one stirred. Money! Fucking money! Oh, God, I love money! This guy was a nut. Time to go. I got home at 9.15 precisely. I walked all the way home. I needed time to think, but nothing had changed. Maybe I could look at the files again. Maybe it would spark something. This whole case was confusing and seemed to be solved too easily. Numbskull Arthur couldn't see it, but I did. I went to the bedroom. Jesus! I walked into my bedroom to find Catnip, Edith's pet cat, in between two running treadmills with its feet tied together. What the hell? Sorry to barge in, Mr. J. I forgot my fucking cat. I see that. What happened to just shutting him inside a room? I'm used to the treadmills. How'd you even get them in here? I put them on a bunch of roller skates and two-by-fours. Plus, I know a lot of little guys. I don't know what that means. Come here, kitty. (sighs) Sorry, catnip. I didn't mean to fucking forget you. Mr. J, you want me to get these treadmills out of here? Not now. Going to bed. Okay, Mr. J. I'll see you tomorrow. When she left, I powered down the treadmills and fell onto the bed. I was asleep faster than a crack addict ruins her life. Humphrey Bogart once said, The problem with the world is that everyone's a few drinks behind. I decided to try to do my best to catch up. It was now Friday evening. The last few days were spent going through files and drinking as much scotch as I could. Edith and I were back in the office. Files littered my desk, floor, walls, and chairs. Paul would be back to pick them up tomorrow. I still could not shake this feeling that something was amiss. Names, places, incidents kept popping up in my mind. The words swirled around my head like pink cotton candy. O'Reilly. Andrew Gardman, Rare Vase, Adoption, The Green Bombs, Murder, Burglary, Wisps, Peter Falk. Nothing made sense. I poured myself another scotch. Things had changed quite a bit over the last few days. Desmond Grant was now free. The merger was going through tomorrow. Paul was out of the hospital and back to work, although he had a bit of a limp. Angela had not returned my calls. I hope she hadn't split and left town for good. Terrence had paid me the rest of the money for solving the case. It was a large sum, and I bought quite a bit of scotch with it. It was the largest amount of money I'd ever received, and yet I felt like I didn't deserve it. 
five o'clock. Time to go home. I arrived home at 5.25. I had hoped to get some sleep since the uncertainty of this case had kept me up the last few nights. I'm sure a nice glass of scotch would help me catch some Z's. Mr. Locke? I turned around to see Natalie O'Reilly, or Brewster, walking towards my door. Miss Brewster, what are you doing here? May we talk? Of course, come in. Oh, you have a nice place. You have a place. I know it doesn't meet the standards for which your family lives. No, it's quaint. You have a couch. That's more than some people have, I guess. Can I help you, Miss Brewster? Natalie, I came to thank you for finding my father's killer. I meant to come sooner to thank you, but with the merger coming up, things have been hectic with our family, as you can imagine. Right. I never expected Evan Greenbaum to be capable of such an atrocity. Yes, well, I don't know. I stopped myself. Maybe I shouldn't speak about my doubts out loud. Sometimes it's the last person you expect. Yes, but in this case, the last person I expected to be the killer was Ewan McGregor. The actor? Yes. Okay. Is there anything else I can help you with? You know, I saw you that night. Uh, what, what night, uh, what night are you talking about? I believe it was a Tuesday. I saw you behind the oak tree watching me undress. Oh, uh... Don't be bashful. I would have stopped if I didn't want you to see. I was actually doing work. <laughs> I'm sure you were. I apologize for that, I, uh... No need. Natalie walked up to me and put her face right in front of mine. Did you like what you saw? I, I saw your boobies. I, I liked your boobies. That's when she leaned in and kissed me. Whoa, what's happening here? Mr. Locke, I liked you the moment you sashayed into our mansion. I don't sashay. I never sashay. I mean, maybe once by accident, but I don't sashay anymore. She came over to me and kissed me again. Things began to escalate quickly. I don't know if it was because I was missing Angela or because I was somewhat buzzed from all the scotch. We fell back onto the couch and continued making out. She stopped a moment later. Wait, I need to go to the powder room for a moment. I don't have a powder room, but the shit is right over there. She smiled and went into the bathroom. I got up, straightened my shirt, and went over to the record player and put on some classical romance. I then dimmed the lights and went back to the couch. She came out of the bathroom and smiled. She looked over at the record player. You have a record player? I love records. I just bought one today from a couple of Italian kids. They had this rendition of Unchained Melody that was to die for. You're welcome to put it on. She pulled the tiny record from her large purse and put it onto the record plate. She dropped the needle on top and then slowly walked over to me. We started to make out once again. Can I do so much? 
your lover. Mm-hmm, I do. Yeah. I need your lover. Yeah. God, speed your lover to woo-woo me. Yeah. What in the hell? Where the hell is this? This is horrible. I'll admit, it's not the best rendition, but the street vendors I bought it from said it was a classic version done by the famous Anito Pavarotti. These Italian kid street vendors, were there three of them? One with shaggy hair, one of them kind of chubby, the other one short with a buzz cut? Yeah. It's a scam. They're not really Italian. They're just a couple of bratty rich kids who are trying to make enough money to buy a PS4. They're assholes. They tried to scam me once with an Italian meal. Oh. Well then, I'll turn it off. She put the classical romance music back on. It's too bad. I really love that song. I was hoping we could have some real fun. Real fun? Were we gonna get a clay wheel and get all ghost up in here? Clay? No, that's old school. Food. I'm sorry? Food can be very erotic. It's like that old country saying, Joe Schmo like food to go. He was a farmer with an agenda, so he tied squirrels into a bow. Oh, I've heard that one. Really? No. Well, I'll be right back. I'll show you a few things. She ran into the kitchen and came back in with handfuls of food. I didn't even know why my fridge had that much. We'll start with this. That's half of a rotisserie chicken. Shouldn't we start with something like strawberries or chocolate sauce? No need. Wait, what are we going to do with that? I'm going to put it into your butt. A whole rotisserie chicken? It's just half. I don't know about that. Trust me, food can be very sensual. I learned all about sexual desires and the way food can impact them from the book my friend bought from Thailand called Sex 2. Put it where you want it. She walked up and put the chicken on the coffee table in front of me. First, this. She took off her shirt and then mine. We laid on the floor with the food around us. She grabbed ketchup and sprayed us both, then mustard, then relish. We rolled around in the condiments. Then the fun came. Chicken, brownies, linguine, hot sauce, baking powder. The rest of our clothes were ripped off and we got down to business. I'd rather not think about what she did with the food, but let's just say that most, if not all, went in one of my offices at one time or another. I can't lie. As weird as this was, it was very erotic. I was harder than a stone base in an indestructible castle. I could see how into it she was, covered in raisins, vinegar, and wasabi peas. Natalie was panting heavily, her eyes closed, her chest heaving. Yes? More? More? I rubbed arrowroot and dried fruit all over her inner thighs and buttocks. I'm ready. The pita bread. Put the pita bread inside of me. What? Put it inside of me. Hurry! I'm not sure how to do that. Hurry! I'm almost there! But it's pita bread. It's flimsy. Do it now! Please! I guess I could fold it. Hurry! You know what I'll do? I'll roll it. Yeah, much easier. Just do it! It was crazy to think that this quiet country girl was so kinky, but I liked it. It's like my favorite rapper once said. I like a lady in the streets, but a freak in the bed. And this girl was definitely a freak. 
Natalie lived on a farm, and all I could think about was what might happen at night with all the eggs her chickens lay or the milk her cows produce. I will never look at food the same way again. Hurry! Now! Now! She rolled around on a hodgepodge of food and drink. She was about to climax. She wanted the pita bread. She wanted it bad. So, I rolled it around my dick and jumped in. Yes! 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 The fun continued throughout the night. By the time we finished, it was midnight, and my living room looked like a fifth-grade cafeteria. We ended up showering and then headed to bed. She slept in my arms until my phone woke me at 8 a.m. Sharp. Locke. Hello, Jim. Angela. How are you? Good, good. I haven't heard from you. I know. I'm sorry about that. That's actually why I'm calling. It happens to be my birthday today. I'm going out to dinner with a couple of friends around about six, and I wondered if you'd care to join. Why didn't you tell me it was your birthday sooner? Because I didn't want you getting me anything. I don't need any presents. You bought me a present. I was referring to the gun-shaped ladder she bought me when I helped discover who her husband was cheating with. Well, that was different. That was a thank you. Anyway, we are going to Hunter's Cafe, and then we'll probably hit up downtown or something for a couple of drinks. Of course, I'll be there. Angela and I talked for a bit more, but I tried to keep my voice down since Natalie was still sleeping. After I hung up, I quickly got dressed. Angela didn't want me to buy her a gift, but I had to get her something. I rushed out of my apartment, closing my front door gently as not to wake up the kinky food girl. It was still early, and I had plenty of time to find a gift, but I wanted to find something special. So I ran down Atlas Avenue, looking in each store window. Nothing caught my eye until I hit a small jewelry store. A pair of earrings set in a gold cabinet. They were in the shape of small planes with a diamond heart in the center. Perfect. It was only a few days ago that we were reminiscing about our romantic time sitting outside of the airport watching planes take off. While the earrings were a bit dorky, I felt the sentimental value was through the roof. Women love that kind of shit. I ran inside. Good morning. May I help you? Yes, those gold earrings in the window. I'll take them. The clerk walked over and looked inside the gold case. Which gold earrings? Those. The planes? Yes. Oh, those aren't gold. They're silver. No, the the plain ones are gold. No, no, no. This is just crappy lighting. I'm sorry. The clerk reached up and blocked out the above lighting. When she did, both the gold case and the gold plain earrings lost their color. The gold tint was gone. Is it okay that they're silver? Or were you looking for something specifically gold? Sir? The lighting. Gold. Gold. That's when something sparked in my head. I saw flashes of the O'Reilly case. I thought about the interviews, the files. Green bomb my ass. I had figured it out. Gold coins. I quickly ran out of the store, leaving the store clerk bewildered. I ran all the way back to my apartment. I burst into the living room. Natalie was awake and putting on her pumps. There he is. Thank you for leaving me. Sorry, Natalie, I have a question, and I need you to be completely honest. Is the east wing of the O'Reilly mansion haunted with wisps? I've never seen any cooking utensils. No, not whisks. Wisps. What are wisps? They're like Peter Falk. Oh. No. Not that I know of. So you're not afraid of entering the east wing? No. What about your family? No. They're often in the east wing. Jim, you're scaring me. 
What is this all about? I know who killed your father. And it wasn't Evan Greenbaum. Atlas Avenue Beat. Written by Robert M. Lamb. Edited by Dylan Whitehead. Starring Jack Austin as Locke. Amy LeRae as Edith. Jose Caraballo as Paul. Brian Messick as Arthur. Shannon McCarthy as Lorraine. Megan Austin as Angela. Co-starring Amber Simpson. April Cadmus Marsh. Nick Engelhard. Lucas Webley. Adam Jetmore. Robert M. Lamb. Jenny Bailey. Matthew Manning. Dylan Whitehead. Gene Lamb. Justin Stewart. And Ricky Laner. Music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to rate and review on iTunes. This has been a Seven Lamb production. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.